I'm coming in hot. You are listening to Off the Cuff. Now, here's your host, Adam yeah. Banks. Coming in hot. Just like the fajita. I write what I live. My life in the speaker. I'm nice with the flow. Just like the demeanor. Welcome, everybody, to Off the Cuff. Adam Banks here with you. Millions of people filled out a March Madness bracket, but of course the first weekend of the NCAA tournament made us all have to readjust our bracket. The Sweet 16 is set, and they are as sweet as ever. The first two rounds of the men's NCAA men's basketball tournament has been trimmed from 64 teams down to 16. I have with me, as I do always, my professional sports panel, Chad Rainwater, Zach Kahn, and Jordan Ganasser. Guys, I feel like that this is a long time coming. We are finally in the studio. How is everybody doing? Oh, doing great. It is, like you said, a long time coming. Uh, wow, it's great to be in here. I'm, I'm a little overwhelmed. <laughs> well, Zach, you sound already like a professional. It sounds like you've been doing this for about 20 years already. Jordan, we've talked about this for eight years. You're finally here in front of me. Man, I remember when we were sitting there talking about you starting a podcast, and now I'm sitting in your studio. It's 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 cool. It's overwhelming. And Chad, how is it going, man? What do you think of the new studio? It's nice, man. It's awesome. It's it's glad to finally make it in. You know, I feel like I was actually going to do the finally. <laughs> the no, no, when you got into the studio? Yeah, I'm good, man. It's it's nice to finally finally get in here. Well, I'm glad everybody is finally here, and I'm want to thank everybody for tuning in. This is our March Madness series brought to you by Off the Cuff with Adam Banks. And the, my favorite time of this tournament is the first weekend, and that is already complete. And man, do we have some things to talk about. But let's start with the ratings. You know, I always like to look to see where we're at in terms of ratings with the tournament. And do you guys want to take a guess? Do you think that we were down or up in ratings this year with the March Madness tournament? Versus last year? Sure. Um... I'm going to say down because that's just the trend with TV ratings, even though the tournament, I think, has been better. That's my guess. I honestly don't know, but my guess is it's probably the highest ratings in 25 years just because last year, no fans. This year, load the arenas up, have everybody back, let's play ball. Well, I'll tell you this. More viewers watched the NCAA first round this year than they did last. CBS and Turner said Tuesday that the television audience for the first two rounds of the tournament was up 12% from 2021 and averaging over 9 million viewers per time slot. The broadcasters said that the average viewership in 2022 is the highest through two rounds in five years. So I guess, what do you owe that? Do you just think people missed the tournament? I think that's what it is. I think people just missed the tournament. Like you said, it was up from last year. Last year, I didn't really care to watch the games. Like, it just wasn't the same. No fans. Yeah, I mean, to, and to me, the fans are what makes college basketball so great. It, I mean, absolutely. And it's good to see the arenas packed out again. But let's go ahead and start talking about these rounds. But, well, did you guys, how's your brackets looking? Good? Bad? It's about as good as the prediction I just made on the on the TV ratings. That's about how my bracket looks. Mine's not bad at all. I'm actually in the top five of the Off the Cuff Bracket Challenge. You can check your status of the Off the Cuff Bracket Challenge by going to Off the Cuff with Adam Banks on Facebook or ESPN.com. But I post the top ten every after every round, and I am sitting at number five. And that's weird. 
because I picked Kentucky to win and they went out in the first round. Yeah, just so just enjoy that while you can because you're obviously not going to win the bracket challenge. So just I'll I'll let you have it. Yeah, your your max. I I checked those. Your max is not. Uh, you've you've scored most of your points. It seems though that most people above me in this challenge pick Kentucky too. So it's a it's a pick that I had in there that's not really going to hurt me because more people had Kentucky. The majority of people had Kentucky. Yeah, so. if you look in the, if you look in the whole. In the standings, like you said, majority of the people do have Kentucky, and I think like I think I'm in the top ten, maybe me and another guy that I don't know who it is. Uh, us us two have Gonzaga, and I think he has like Kansas in the final, and I have Arizona. So I don't know if there's any chance that I can pass him. Well, let's talk about the first round. We have to start with the Kentucky Wildcats losing to St. Peter's, the Peacocks, 79-85, or 85-79, rather. The Peacocks came out of nowhere, a team from New Jersey, and defeated Kentucky. Kentucky, what frustrates me about this is they had a team that I really thought could win the whole thing. I mean, I put them as the winner on my bracket challenge, but they lost in the first round. I look at Kentucky, man. Uh, they came out as a team that didn't want to play ball, and St. Peter's did. Kentucky fell flat on their face. They couldn't generate offense. Um, they looked nervous on defense. They, I mean, they got to the point where they looked nervous on offense as well. It was when you have a shooter in Kellen Grady that's not willing to take a shot, and all you rely on is throw the ball down low to Oscar Sheboy when they know that's what's coming, and he can – I mean, he did everything he could, but he was the only one. If you uh, – it uh, – <laughs> I uh, I kept telling you guys back in the whole season that I went back and forth on this team. Um, if you ask me one day, I thought that we could make it to the Final Four, even a national championship run. Then other other days, I thought this team, you know, could go out pretty early. But I did not see this happening. Um, the Cats finished five and four in the last um, nine games. Mm-hmm. I think that shows a little bit. Um, didn't play very well in the SEC tournament. I think this team peaked at the wrong time. Uh, they peaked after that. Around January when we played, well, I guess it was at the end of December. Probably going the into Kansas January. win. Yeah, yeah. I think because you had those three games there. The North, you had North Carolina, you had Kansas, you had Tennessee. I think that's when the team peaked. And unlike other John Calipari teams, you know, he's always like, wait till March, wait till March. We'll be fine in March. Well, I, I just think the team peaked at the wrong time. Well, I have some stats here to read. The Wildcats had lost, had not lost in the first round since 2008 when they fell to number 6 Marquette. You guys remember who was coaching us when they fell then? It was Billy Gillespie. Uh, and they were Marquette was a number 11 seed, and the final score of that was 74-66. Their last first-round loss as a higher seed was back in 1987 when they lost a number 8 versus number 9 seed game to Ohio State. Coach John Calipari's last first round loss was in 2003 while at Memphis. So this isn't something that happens to Cal all of the time, but it happened here at Kentucky, and that is a place where it's unacceptable. Cal is great. I'll preface with what I'm about to say with this. I want him to be our coach. I really do. However, because we all everybody knows we're Kentucky fans, but however, he's got to win. Getting paid $9 million, there's no room for error. You can say really with almost anybody, well, he puts us in the position every year, so let's keep him. Yeah, but these coaches are making 4 or $5 million. Cal's making 9 $9 million, buddy. I want a Final Four every other year or every year with that kind of money. Yeah, it's frustrating. I think you talk about the money aspect of it. I believe Cal's salary is bigger than the entire St. Peter's athletic budget, <laughs> to put that in perspective. 
Um, it was a frustrating game. It, it's you want to, you don't want to put too much weight on one game because you know we we would even as poorly as we played. I think we win that game 90, 95 times out of a hundred. But that's March Madness. It's one game. You have one shot to do it. And if that's one of the five games out of a hundred that you lose to that team, well, that's what people are going to remember. And uh, yeah, I mean to your point in uh, our Selection Sunday show about the hot seat. Uh, I think he's on it now. Yeah, I was about to say that. I, I brought that up on the Selection Sunday show, that the seat warmers would be turned on if Cal lost. Jordan, do you think they've been turned on? I don't think the seat warmers through the program for Cal are turned on. Um, I believe the fan base is more irritated right now, but John Calipari's got to change his, his style of play. He's got to He's got to go to modern basketball. I mean, it was like one reporter came out and said that nobody in the world plays just two bigs and just set them down low. And that's pretty much what we did. You know, Keon can't shoot that good. And then Oscar just plays down low. And unless Cal is willing to go to modern basketball, I just don't see his style of play lasting very long. And I think that's ultimately going to turn out to him having, you know, maybe two to three more years. I agree with you. I think he's more on the hot seat with the fans than he is administration. I don't think Kentucky will fire Cal. I actually know they won't. They probably never will. But with the fan base, yes, he's on the hot seat. And a fan base could literally run you out of town. I mean, Cal's not going to put up with that. He he would resign. So I would have to agree with you on that. Chad, I know you are chomping at the bit with things to say with your Cal rant, so let's hear it. I've waited for this for a long time. (laughs) You guys know my thoughts on Cal Perry. I mean, each of us have our own stance with him. Um, you know, every 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 time we're losing or whatever, I rant in our group text every 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 time about how I dislike Cal. And let me preface this by saying, I was a huge Cal fan once upon a time. I, even when he was at Memphis, you know, I had a uh, really at one point. At one point, I, I hated had, him at Memphis. At one point, I had a Memphis shirt. <sighs> That's when you know Kentucky wasn't that good. Um, at the time, I was in a rival with somebody who was a Tennessee fan. Yeah. So I had a, I was like a Memphis fan and uh-huh. I, yeah, I had a Memphis a Memphis shirt. I I cheer for Memphis. They were <laughs> even going to I even had them winning. I did not know that. I even had them winning in the Well, Chad, thanks like, for coming on the show today. No. You know, it's <laughs> okay. So let me get to this. Like Jordan said, I think we're coming to a, a point with uh, Cal that I think it would be the fans that are trying to run him out of town. And you know, if you look at if you look at Tubby Smith and John Calipari's or if you look at Tubby Smith's last six seasons in Kentucky and then you look at Cal's last six seasons, they're almost identical. And what did the fans want to do with Tubby? Or what did they do to Tubby? Uh, they ran him out of town. Exactly. So, um, you know, Tubby Smith never missed a never missed the NCAA uh, tournament. Never had a first-round loss. Never had a first-round loss. He, uh, he had two late eight appearances. Um, and if you, look at their, if you look at their records, they're almost nearly identical. So what, what, what's keeping Cal here? Other than probably the, his buyout. I think that's the only thing that that's keeping him here, and, he, and even if we somehow did, you know, buy him buy him out, I don't. I think that would just hurt the program even worse. Because Zach brought up a good point the other day that if if you uh, buy out his contract, then you're also not going to be able to pay Stoops what he wants, and that, that hurts the program, the football program as well. John Calipari is going into the most crucial off season he's had probably in his coaching history, because if he loses Oscar Shebway, if he loses Shaden Sharp, if he loses. Um, Ty Ty Washington, and then if he loses any of these recruits to somebody like Kenny Payne, John Calipari is not going to have answers for that. From what I don't see, he's got that Dillingham kid that decommitted from North Carolina State, but unless Cal, if he if he loses recruits and loses these players on this team, 
he's going to be at a very a very bad point after the NCAA tournament loss, the way we finished the season, and what he's bringing in the next year. Yeah, I mean, how how attractive is the transfer portal really looking to kids in there? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would play at Kentucky no matter what happened recently, but are you going to get the top guys out of that? That's my one thing. If Cal misses, if if we lose recruits and we lose people, and Cal misses a tournament next year, there's undoubtedly, I think he's out. That's interesting to to think about how the the fan base will lose its mind if Cal goes out in the first round next year. Now the pressure's on. Before Cal had all this room to mess up, there, he really has no room, or he will lose the fan base. Absolutely, I agree, hundred percent. You know we. We we live in a, a world where, you know, it's what have you done for me lately and stuff like that. And if you look at the last six seasons, Cal has won one game against a Power 5 school in the NCAA tournament, which was uh, UCLA in 2017. Uh, they've lost four other matchups since then against a Power 5 school and is 1-5 uh, dating back to Wisconsin in 2015. Like, like I said, this doesn't, it doesn't mean Cal has to go, but – He's got to turn it around. I mean, since the, since the end of the 2015 season, he's 26 and 40 against top 25 teams, and in his last 18, he's three and 15. Three and 15. Whoa, that's bad. That's that, a set I didn't know. That yeah. can't happen at Kentucky. Yeah, that yeah, that kind of stuff can't happen. But there are more games to talk about in the first round, other than that terrible, terrible game. But the Peacocks, they. Uh, as we'll talk about later, they went and advanced on to the Sweet 16. But other games that stood out in the first round to me, I'm going to have to say the Michigan-Colorado State game. Uh, Michigan 75, Colorado State 63. I called that number 11-6 upset. I wonder what it is, Zach, about 11-6. and seeds. Is that what they say? Is the 11-6 and six is always the one that messes the brackets up? I think traditionally it's the 5-12. But the 6-11, I think what you usually end up there... Um, well, that was kind of a, an opposite one. I think you had a team in Colorado State that was from the Mountain West, maybe a little bit overrated, um, that conference as a whole in Colorado State, and then a power conference team in Michigan. Um, but, you know, traditionally, the 512 or the 611, you're going to get uh, kind of a, a mid tier power team in that six spot, and then uh, an underrated um, smaller conference team in an 11. But, just something about those two seeds matching up. I mean, it, it seems like that's kind of the sweet spot for pulling it off. I think Iowa State was an 11 and, and one as well. They did. And also the opening game of the tournament was a bracket buster for a lot of people. Richmond Spiders defeated. They were a 12 seed. Defeated Iowa 67 to 63. Iowa was a number five seed. I had Iowa in my final four. So on day one, I was already like, oh, well, there goes my bracket. Yeah, in our gut bracket that we did on the Selection Sunday show, I had Iowa in the final four as well. Another another game that stood out in the first round was the Memphis Tigers-Boise State. Even though it was 9-8, and eight, I really thought Boise State would uh, defeat Memphis. Memphis, look, they appear uh, to have it rolling. Did they lose in the second round? They did, didn't they? They did. They, they but did. to Gonzaga. They got beat by yeah. Gonzaga. Yeah. Uh, Penny Hardaway, I could see him eventually moving on to a uh, higher seed eventually in the tournament and, and making a run. Yeah, Memphis has got it going in the right direction. Uh, Penny got off to a rough start there. Um, but you know the rules of the game have changed, and and uh, where Memphis is at now is certainly a, a positive direction from even where they were to start the season. It was a rough start to just this year. 
And then, of course, the other game that I'll talk about, and please throw in a game if I'm if I'm leaving any out, is the Creighton San Diego State game. Creighton defeated San Diego State seventy two sixty nine. Number nine Creighton takes down San Diego State. Creighton, even though they lost in the second round, I remember that being a exciting game to watch. And of course, I had all kinds of notes about that game, but I have no idea where they went. <laughs> I'm going to throw out Murray State San Francisco. That was super late. It was after the Kentucky. Loss. It was. I don't think most people felt like watching uh, any more games at that point, but you missed a good one uh, in that one. That was a, a thriller between those two teams over time. All Kentucky teams out now. Murray State, they got defeated eventually. but All the Kentucky teams got ran out of town by the Peacocks. That's the bad thing. <laughs> yeah, St. Peter's, Kentucky State champions. It is. But the first round, I think most of the upsets happened in the round of 32, which is what we'll talk about when we come back after these words, ladies and gentlemen. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to Off the Cuff. Adam Banks here with you, along with my professional sports panel, Zach Hahn, Jordan Canasser, and Chad Rainwater. So much for that Chattanooga upset, Chad, that you had in the first round. Man, I was so excited. <laughs> I was so excited. I had already texted you. I was like, you're going to have to get the clip up from the Selection Sunday show because <laughs> you're going to have to play it because I'm with the show Zach. We should play the audio of you talking about making that pick in the Selection Sunday show. Let's so, play it now. No, I'm so, <laughs> so close, so close. And I think they, they, they got hosed, man. There was a point, in, I think, in the first half when uh, there was an – obvious goaltending call that was missed and and it was it would have been the difference it was a it was a one-point game so almost 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 called it chattanooga's coach got a job today too didn't he he went to south carolina is that right is that right i believe so yeah gosh i did not know that south carolina they were getting desperate i know they were looking at sean miller for a minute and he turned him down he went to xavier Yep. yep back to xavier to go back to xavier but Yes, your pick did not make it to the second round, but speaking of the second round, the round of 32 had a little bit more action than the round of 64. Let's talk about some of the games. We already talked about St. Peter's and Mary. Let's talk about, or yes, it was St. Peter's and Murray. Let's talk about St. Mary's and UCLA. UCLA is my new team I'm taking to the championship game and winning it all. I like UCLA. Mick Cronin has his players playing at a high level and always when it counts. His senior guards, Jamie Jaquez Jr., uh, even though he was he went out early with an injury, didn't he? And, and they still won because you had the U.K. player, uh, Johnny Juzang. Yeah, Mr. March. Yes, Mr. March. I mean, he shows up and shows out every March. Uh, so you're, you're taking UCLA? I'm taking UCLA. Even, I like, even with Hawkins' uh, ankle injury? Yes. I don't know. I, I, try to, I try to do some research to see what, what the status was of his, his ankle, and I didn't see anything. So I don't know if it's a day-by-day thing or day-to-day thing or if he's going to be out. But I, mean, I think that I think he'll be crucial if, if he doesn't play against North Carolina. They get so much treatment on those things, I think that I think that it'll be fine. But UCLA is my pick, man. That's who I'm going with. North Carolina's looking good, too. They defeated Baylor, and that was the first number one seed to fall. That was another thrilling game. That was going to be my game in the second round right there. North Carolina almost blew that, though. That really did. So I'm agreeing with you that UCLA is uh, 
is the pick there. I mean, it, was, it would have been the biggest comeback in the history of college basketball. Well, they uh, were down. It's a tournament, at least. So they were down, what, Baylor was down 25 with 10 minutes to go yeah, when Brady yeah. Manick got ejected for the – that was not an ejectable play. He didn't – I mean, there was a little bit of contact, but Brady Manick did not – I'm sure they were looking for something. He's he's a, he's a high-energy guy. Let's I mean, just put he it was, that way. I think he was shooting, what, 8 for 11? Yeah, uh, oh, he was carrying points. them. And then 25-point comeback and still held it off in overtime, though. So First tournament for Herbert Davis. I saw an article that really ruffled my feathers on ESPN the other day. It was, Herbert Davis, is he the greatest coach ever to coach at North Carolina? True article that I read. I could not believe what I was reading. No. I mean, look at your legendary coaches alone. Dean what? Smith and uh, Roy Williams. What ar- what argument could they possibly make for that? Because of I, yeah, because they were saying that Roy Williams lived off the uh, the um, Dean Smith Dean era. Smith era, and I was just like, that's the stupidest. Well, how, how is Davis not living off the Roy Williams era? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was the dumbest He's article I ever read, and that's just it's so funny when somebody makes it out of the round of thirty two, they're all of a sudden getting new coaching offers. They're getting deemed as the greatest coach ever, and it blows my mind. I do. I don't understand that. But UNC, they were looking good. I hope. I hope they fall and that they don't make it into the Elite Eight. I think that'll be one of the best game, the best Sweet Sixteen games is the North Carolina and UCLA. That's the game I got on my radar. Well, I think that the best game of the round of thirty-two was the Duke versus Michigan State game. Two legendary coaches for the final time coaching against each other. Coach K versus Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo lost to Coach K in just the last two minutes of the game. It looked like that, once again, that Izzo magic in March was going to be sprinkled on Michigan State, but uh, Duke pulled it off. Yeah, that's the only thing to make this tournament somewhat okay is if Duke would have gotten beat. Now I'm worried. I'm worried that they'll make a deep run. You know, they were down by five with less than five minutes to go, and I thought, you know, Michigan State's about to pull this upset. But it's Duke, and Duke starts to get the calls, and Duke prevailed. Oh, you know they want, you know they want that in the Final Four for the ratings. Talk, go, go back to the at the top. What's better for ratings than Coach K to make a run? They when they no when the committee sits down to make their to make their list, they try to build scenarios for ratings. Like it, there was no doubt that they had this plan, the the committee to have Izzo versus Coach K one more time. It, and it worked out perfectly for them. And they've got a few things on here set up still that could happen. Uh I mean, we're not going to get to see Cal versus Coach K. Uh, but that's another story. Well, my brackets, I have Duke winning it all, but I have a change of heart, and they're going against the best defensive team in college basketball this week in Texas Tech, and Duke's going home early. Oh, so you think Texas Tech's going to pull that one off? Change of heart, Texas Tech's going to win the ball game. They're going to win by six. Changing your bracket, man. Changing the bracket that you entered, and that was your official bracket. Oh, it's. I mean, it's set in stone, but yeah. I have a change in heart right now. Okay. So I'm saying it on the show right now, it's going to happen. So so you can't take credit for both. So if Duke wins, you're going to say, well, I didn't pick it. Or, or are you going to say, well, I've got that one? <laughs> I think Honestly, I think Duke is the best team in the tournament. I think Duke's been the best team in college basketball just from a pure talent perspective and a coaching perspective for the entire season but mark williams is so good yeah all it takes is one game all i'm going to say is enjoy it duke fans you're not going to be back here very much you're losing your coach and i hope that you go to the toilet bow and i i hope that it takes years for you to get back on track it's so nice to see coach i mean i i love the fact that coach k was in college basketball and i hate to see him leave but i 
now that it's a reality and it is what it is, it's so good to see Duke have to suffer for a few years. Did we talk about it? Uh, I can't remember if it was on air or off air. Uh, what are your thoughts are on how Duke is going to be in the post-Coach K era? Yeah, we talked about it. We touched on it just a little bit in the Selection Sunday show. I mean, they'll fall. They'll fall. They stayed relevant because of they had one of the greatest coaches, just like Indiana. They fell after Bobby Knight. Never could get back to it. Never could get back to being on top. I think you're going to know within five years. If I mean, you're going to know in two years if John Shire is going to pan out or not. If mm-hmm. John Shire is not going to pan out, I think they're going to go into that desperation mode and they're going to make a couple bad hires and that's going to judge a lot about their program but duke's always going to prevail man yeah. they're you got a blue blood program they're going to find a coach duke. it might take five to seven years but they're going to find a coach yeah i don't no go ahead Zach. oh i was gonna say you know if they make the second round next year you could be reading is john gyre the best duke coach ever <laughs> articles on espn yeah i wouldn't doubt that at all i don't think they're going to completely fall off like like Bobby Knight and with it, did with Indiana, I think they'll still relevant. Uh, relevant. I mean, I, they'll they're top of the ACC, but I don't think that. The, I mean, they're obviously not going to be as good as when they had Coach K. But I don't think they're going to, you know, just fall to the bottom of the ACC. Did you guys stay up late enough to watch the Arizona Wildcats take on TCU? I did. That was a great game. It was an awesome game. Some people calling it the best game of the round or of the tournament so far. It was about two. About 0.2 seconds from being the greatest game probably that I've seen in the last 10 years. That was a great – if 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 that, that uh, dunk would have counted, I've been I've never seen anything like that. If it, I mean, it didn't count, obviously, but if it had, that would have been a great ending. Arizona's pretty feisty, too. I think – They got think, some feisty players. I've picked Gonzaga to win on a lot of my brackets, but Arizona's looking pretty tough. I mean, uh, Ben Matherin, you know, he had a – he was huge down the stretch against TCU – I think he put up 30 points, had a uh, clutch three with 12 seconds to go to tie the game. And um, I, I, they'll at least make it to the championship game, I think, out of, the, of that right side of the bracket. I think that it'll, it'll, be, uh, it'll be tough to knock them off. I agree. I have Arizona in my bracket as well. So UCLA and Arizona is where I'm standing at right now. But Arizona is still hanging on there. And they're probably the, the team that's keeping me into the to the bracket challenge. Zach, did you get to watch the game? Uh, honestly, I did not catch that one. That was, what, Sunday night? Yes, it was the yeah. very last one. Well, you call us the professional sports panel, but unfortunately <laughs> I do have a day job. So I'm going to have to go watch the highlights. I didn't realize it was that great of a game. Just looking at the score line, I was kind of a little unimpressed with Arizona. I mean, it's March, right? You take the wins how you can get them. But I wasn't really not impressed that much with TCU's resume. So I'll have to go back and check that out and see if there was more to it. But um, I don't know. I, I, I have kind of got – my eye on Houston. Houston, uh, to, okay. To get past Arizona in this one. Houston's a good team. 31 and 5, right? They are. They they win the games that they sh- they should have. I thought Illinois would give them more of a challenge than they did, really. Um so we'll see. Well, it says here that the Houston Cougars uh they lead the nation in field goal percentage defense and they have a smothering approach of defense and it was on full display uh, in the tournament because it just seems like they are weaving through these teams and uh, their coach Kevin Kelvin Sampson he keeps this up he'll find himself at a bigger place maybe I don't know I mean he's about if he can make it to another final four I think they about got a Hall of Fame resume at this point he might just be content to stay where he's at he's a little older yeah I mean and, and he just he's a little older how old is he Oh gosh, seventy-three. I mean, oh well, I'm maybe, just, just <laughs> I was going to maybe he won't be then. Yeah, Houston, Houston was that. I mean, it was it was one of the funner funner game. Well, I'm not going to say the funner games, but it was more of a dominating game to see. Uh, 
Taze Moore. Mm-hmm. And that's such a cool comeback story. 21 apparently. points. And they say he has like 100 uh, rods in his leg. Like he, Yeah. And he just controlled the game. Every time they needed a big point, mm-hmm. he got it. And mm-hmm. they completely controlled six to eight to ten points the entire game. Just yeah. kind of controlled Illinois. Their whole backcourt, though, they have like a trip, like a triplet of guards for back, for a backcourt. You got Tazi Moore, Jamal Sheed, and Kyler Edwards. Yeah, that's and that's that's a lethal. You know, the court. crazy thing is uh, Marcus Sasser is probably their best player, and he's not even he's not even healthy right now. So they they could be even better. Kelvin Sampson's sixty six, by the way. Sixty six. Yeah. Where was he the, before? Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma. In Indiana. <laughs> if you remember that for br- briefly. I do not. Well, they've had ten coaches in the past eight years. I can, how do you remember well, all their Kelvin coaches? Sampson's one of them. Was was Houston? They were in the Final Four last year, right? Yeah. Yes, they were. And they played Baylor. Yes. And got smashed. Yes. I think this is what happens on Saturday. I think Arizona is just... you. Know, oh, yeah, for sure. The better team. And I, despite how great uh, Houston is defensively, I think that, like like, like I said, like last year, against the, one of the best teams in the league, when you, it, is, it won't be a close game, I don't think. I don't know. It's a one-and-a-half-point line. Really? Yeah, it's a very close line. Well, maybe I could be wrong. All right, I'm going to give out a few more standout games, and then we're going to preview our Sweet 16. Now, you guys let me know if you have any notes to add, but these are just some standout games that I saw. Nova versus Ohio State, Iowa State versus Wisconsin, Purdue versus Texas, and Texas Tech versus Notre Dame. And again, a bunch of teams with no notes surrounding them because my printer decided to print some notes, and then leave a lot of my stats off. So, And if you guys have anything to add with those games, please add. Did, did you mention the Michigan and Tennessee game? No, I did not. We can, I mean, you want to dog on Tennessee while we're down, too? Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, it really grinds my gears that Arkansas is uh, yeah. the last team left from the SEC, right? I hate that. Uh, it's terrible. I hate this that is, the SEC did so bad. This is a black march. Just dark. <laughs> I, I do not like Errol Mu- Eric Musselman. Just calm down, man. That's grade school stuff over there pumping the crowd. I think like, it was the sling that he had on. You know, he had the <laughs> sling on his arm for most of the season. <laughs> I don't have a problem with Arkansas. I'm, I'm honestly probably going to start cheering hard for Arkansas. I couldn't believe in the round of 32 how bad Auburn just got. They got manhandled the entire game. Yes, Auburn went down. A lot of people had Auburn in their Final Four, me included. Yeah, talk about a team that peaked at the wrong time of the season. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. All right. Well, that is the round of 32. We're going to come back with our preview of the Sweet 16. We'll talk about those matchups, and we're also going to give you our updated Final Four. So stick with us. We'll be right back. everybody to off the cuff adam banks here with you along with my professional sports panel zach con chad rainwater and jordan canasser the sweet 16 is officially set and they are as sweet as candy ladies and gentlemen let's talk about some of those matchups we got the sec team arkansas the only sec team remaining they take on gonzaga I think this is when we lose the rest of our teams in the SEC. Yeah. Um, if if Arkansas beats Gonzaga, I, I'm just going to – I'm going to turn in my professional analyst title 
and for good. What would Eric Musselman do if he beat Gonzaga? Like, how is he going to react? I think he's going to lose his mind, but I really, as much as I would like to see Arkansas win it, I don't think they have enough size to keep up with Tim A and uh, Chet Holmgren. I think Gonzaga is going to have way too much size for Arkansas to be able to compete with. So, Zach, or Chad, do you mirror everything we're saying and you think that Gonzaga is going to be going ahead and going on to the Elite Eight? Yeah, I'm not doubting Arizona. Or, I'm sorry. I'm not doubting Gonzaga now. That was my team to pick from the get go. I don't think Arkansas will. Uh, I don't think they'll give them as good of a battle as Memphis did. That's for sure. Well, we also have Texas Tech and Duke. Uh, a number three seed versus a number two seed. What do you think of that matchup coming up? That's the game of the or that's the game of the Sweet Sixteen, in my opinion. Uh, between that game and then North Carolina and UCLA, those are going to be your two. I want to say just. Overtime, overtime, you know, wins for each each of those teams, and I think those are going to be your two best teams to watch or two best games to watch in the Sweet Sixteen. I could definitely see Texas Tech beating Duke in this game. Um, Texas Tech holds opponents to sixty points a game. You know, we've seen we've seen at times Duke sc- uh, struggle to score against good defensive teams. Um, yeah, I think this will be a great game. Uh, like everybody else said, is along with the UNC and UCLA games, those will be the two two games. Uh, most exciting games. So hopefully we see Texas Tech knock them off. I don't want to see Duke. I don't want to see Duke win at all. You don't want to see Coach K go uh, no. out on a high note. Nope. I hope they lose about twenty-five. Well, Kansas and Providence is another matchup. If we're looking at Kansas, remember they bowed out early the last two years, not even making it to the Sweet Sixteen. So they're finally back into the Sweet Sixteen. Kansas, something about Kansas that just I cannot keep them going in the tournament. They I've done it so many times and they've burned me. Like the last two years, they didn't make it to the Sweet 16. I remember one year, they were the number one overall seed. I think it was 2011, 2012, or 2010, and they lost in the first round because it happens. Happens to the best of us, Chad. And, you know, it, I just have a hard problem putting them – uh, so far, so far out there. They do have some X factors for the team, though. They've got their point guard, Remy Martin, and David McCormick. Um, they're not consistent, but they will do enough to, uh, I think, get them past um, Providence. Yeah, I believe. Uh, I believe so. I've got Kansas going all the way. Uh, a super experienced team, all the way. Yeah, all the way. That's my champion. Okay, it was on the on the bracket. Uh, my gut bracket, which I ended up entering in the off-the-cuff bracket challenge. So I'm standing by them. They're super experienced. As far as this game goes, um, Providence has had a couple of easy opponents so far in in the tournament. Uh, but they play a really slow uh, style. I think Kansas got too much athleticism. Um, going to be a little bit more talent than maybe they've even faced in the Big East uh, during the regular season. So I think Providence is going to be a little overwhelmed in this one. Iowa State-Miami is another matchup that I think is exciting. If we're just looking at the Cyclones here, they finished a 2-22 and two, a two and season last year. That's right, 2-22. and 22. And here they are uh, making it uh, to the Sweet 16, trying to get to the Elite Eight with that kind of momentum and that I guess that kind of pressure to not do that bad again. They've got everything working for them, don't, don't you think, Chad? Absolutely. I think this is the bounce back that Cal needed. You know, yeah. he struggled last year. Yeah. And I, obviously, going 2-20, and 20, whatever you said, he went. <laughs> well, you got to take all the shots of Cal you can. <laughs> you can. Get him in while I can. Yep. But, yeah, I think that, that story is great. 
with him only winning two games. Um, I'm not really looking forward to this game, though. I think it'll be one of those that I'll you know keep updating the score, but it's not one I'll have on the TV. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like either of these teams really has a chance to, like, this is their the last win they could get. I mean, Miami, yeah, I think they had their run because they got one of the biggest surprises of the whole first weekend, knocking off number seven seed USC because USC was good, and then defeating the number two Auburn Tigers. So, hey, don't sleep on Miami. Don't sleep on them. No, we've seen them play some good uh, teams. I mean, and or, or win some good games. You know, beat Auburn by eighteen. They also beat Duke earlier in the season at Duke, right? Then they beat Duke at, at Duke. They, yeah, yeah, they, they did. did. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, if Miami can get past Iowa State, I don't think it's crazy to see to say that they could possibly maybe beat Kansas. But I, I don't know. That's it's just I feel like that I'm, I'm reaching a little bit. I look at it, that game's almost, I mean, it might be a good tournament game to watch, but it's almost pointless for me because Kansas is going to dominate the game against Providence. Providence all year, like you said, they've had a kind of an easy run in the tournament so far. In the regular season, What they played a Wisconsin team without Johnny Davis. Like Their yeah. big wins through the regular season have been with uh, the team they're playing, missing key players. They're not going to beat Kansas and Iowa State or Miami, they're coming into the tournament hot. They're not beating Kansas. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. right. I mean, uh, like you said about – well, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, No, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I was going to say, talking about us, none of us going to watch this game. It's on at the exact same time as the North Carolina, UNC, or North Carolina and UCLA. Well, you guys so. already know who I have in that one. It's UCLA. No, I'm saying that, like, who's going to watch that game over UNC and UCLA? The, I'm talking about the not me. Iowa State. Not me. Exactly. I'm, watching, I'm watching the Bruins and the Tar Heels. Another matchup. Purdue and St. Peter's. We have to put that as a who knows type of matchup because St. Peter's is playing better basketball than anybody right now. My cousin is absolutely dominating the floor out there. Daryl Banks, he had like 20 points the first round. He had like 30 points the second round. And I texted Daryl after the game was over and I said, listen, bub, at our next family reunion, we're going to talk about maybe how we're going to get you over here to Lexington. But no, the the Peacocks, don't sleep on the Peacocks either. They face Purdue. I, I, if I had to guess on a team to go, for, to go forward, I'm going to uh, go with the Peacocks. I'm not going to count them out now, but I think that the Peacocks will be in the Elite Eight. Have you all seen those NCAA commercials where it's like 99% of us are going pro in something other than sports? <laughs> I'm pretty sure they need St. Peter's on there because I don't know how they've been doing it. I mean, like... Doug, come on. Like, uh, I wish they'd beat somebody else because I want to like him. But after Kentucky and Murray, I, I can't stand them. I, Purdue's too athletic, too talented. They got two seven footers. They're big. Yeah. Zach Eady. Who is St. Pete? Who are the Peacocks putting on Zach Eady? He's gonna. They're going to feed the ball into him, and he's not even going to jump and dunk it on him yeah. every play. Yeah, even, even when we first started doing brackets, I was worried about this matchup if it was Kentucky. Um, you know, I had picked Purdue over Kentucky, so there's no way – France, I'm going to pick St. Pete over Purdue. <laughs> no chance in France. They're 124th in the net ranking, and their strength of schedule was 128th in the country. Um, it's just it's just luck, man. And you know how and there's a lot of randomness in the NCAA tournament, and that's just what has happened. I mean, just luck and randomness from the Peacocks. Well, the Peacocks are the Cinderella of this year's tournament. That's why I have them going forward. I think they're the Leola call Leola. I always struggled saying that word, Loyola College of the 2022 tournament. So that's why I had them progressing forward. But Purdue is so good. They were the number one team in the country um, for a long time uh, during the regular season. I was only two games. 
AP top 25 for the first. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, well, it says here they were for two weeks. It was two games. It was one week. Okay, one week. Okay. So that was the first time that they reached the top 25 in history. No, it was, for, uh, was it the first time for the 25? I think it was the first time they reached the number one seed in program history. I do know that. Purdue Rose. Okay, yeah, you're right. The number one uh, in the AP top 25. Yes, first time in history. So. You, you're not making a crazy prediction prediction uh, that they could beat Purdue. Hasn't there been two other teams here recently that's gone to the Sweet 16, uh, uh, 15 seed? Uh, I think or, they're only the second. Oral Roberts and I thought Florida, Florida Gulf, Gulf Coles. Co- For, yeah. Did Oral Roberts go to the Sweet 16 or they just won? I think they did. I think they did. But I don't know. Well, either way, if, if St. Peter's beats Purdue, they're going to be known as like the probably the greatest Cinderella of all time, regardless yeah. of what happens after that. Because um, then you've beat two major programs and won another game against a team you really probably didn't have any business beating either. Um, so that would be a heck of a story. But uh, the, line, the line in that one is 12 and a half. Next week, a, a lot. next week, I'm going to bring in, I saw an article. It was really cool. It was the biggest upsets in NCAA history. And I'm going to bring that list in, and we'll talk about some of those matchups. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how these will uh, pan out. But let's give the audience an updated Final Four prediction from each of us. I'll start. You guys know that I've got UCLA in there. I've raved about them being in my Final Four. I just think that McCronin's going to get them there. And so UCLA, I think that Arizona, of course, will remain in the Final Four. And uh, Miami, I want to put Miami in there, and Gonzaga is going to be in there as well. So Gonzaga, UCLA, Miami, and Arizona. Miami. Miami. Welcome to Miami. Welcome to Miami. So, Chad, who do you got in the Final Four? Uh, My Final Four picks haven't changed that much other than than the Midwest. Uh, Because if you you remember going back to our uh, Selection Sunday show, I said Kansas would be the first number one seed to to drop, and I was was wrong. Um, So I'm going to switch. I can't remember who I had winning the, the Midwest. Uh, maybe I had uh, – oh, I had Wisconsin. So I'll switch that. I'm going to go with Kansas out of Midwest. I don't know why I did Midwest first, whatever. Um, but I'm sticking with uh, Gonzaga out of the West, uh, Purdue out of the East, and uh, out of the South I'm still going with Arizona. Uh, I still have two of my teams left. Uh, I got Gonzaga and Kansas. They were my national championship game participants, so I'll keep it there. Um, and I've lost a couple along the way. I had Kentucky going from the East – I had them over UCLA, so I'll just swap that out. I think UCLA's got a lot of experience. I think North Carolina uh, showed some weakness, managed to get past Baylor, but is probably due for a loss. Um, and then in the south, I had Tennessee. They let me down. I'm going to go with Villanova. I know I was big on Houston. I think Houston-Villanova could be a heck of a regional final game uh, this weekend. But uh, Colin Gillespie, man. Villanova, Jay Wright, they've done it before. I'll throw them in the Final Four uh, to round it out. He don't have his suit, though, to wear during the Final Four this year. So do you think he'll coach as good without that suit? He's not the only (laughs) one that's downgraded. So I know. uh, (sighs) Maybe. Maybe if... If he loses, then maybe he'll bring it back. What's up with that anyway? Coaches not wearing suits anymore. I hate that. I agree with you. Uh, I think the COVID year, they just... Everybody slacked and nobody went back to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's Buzz Williams had a great response. He says, I still wear a suit because I want to show everybody that there's a higher standard out there and it's respect for the game. Didn't Cal go back to the suit? He does the, the blazer, but no full suit. I, I'll, I'll take a blazer than just yeah. than, than nothing, but I'm, I'm all for the whole get up, the tie, the jacket, everything. 
Jordan, who's your final four? Final four, I've got out of the East, I've got Purdue. Uh, I believe that's who I had on the original show as well. Um, my upset alert, which it's not really that big of an upset, but I'm going to take Texas Tech over Duke. That was my original thought was Duke, but I'm, I've, I've got to change of hearts to Texas Tech. Uh, out of the Midwest, Kansas, and then the South is Arizona. The South is Arizona. Okay. Love it. All right. You guys got the final four predictions from the professional sports panel. So no good to change your bracket now, but that's just kind of where we're at. And after looking at these games and reevaluating, that's where we're standing. But we are going to continue the conversation about coaches. And this is one of my favorite segments to have. And we're going to do it in the last segment. We're going to talk about the coaching carousel because it is in full effect. Stick with us, everybody. Stick with us, everybody. We will be right back. I'm begging, begging you to put your loving hand out, baby. I'm begging, begging you to put your loving hand out, darling. Welcome back, everybody, to Riding Off the Cuff. Adam Banks here with you. Last segment of the hour. I played it hard and fast everything. We were talking about coaches before the commercial break and we were talking about how it's a shame that coaches don't dress as sharp as they used to and college basketball what made college basketball so great was all of the hall of fame coaches that were in college you had coach k you had roy williams you had john calipari you had rick Bettino, jimbo jim Beheim, um tom izzo tom izzo all of these coaches coaching at the same time all at once at the same time. And sadly, it, they're all starting to dwindle. And college basketball isn't becoming that sport to where it's just known for its great coaches. Because I'd say the greatest, most legendary coach in the game, active after Coach K retires, is Coach John Calipari. I'm saying Bill Self. I'm disagreeing. Yeah, I'd go Tom Izzo probably. Or Bill Self. Yeah, Tom Izzo's looking pretty old. I don't know if you guys Izzo, noticed, but Izzo's he's not aging. won a title in 22 years, folks, and he's only won one. So I don't really know if he. I mean, Calipari. I mean, that's what's sad about it. That's that's the best. That's the best. Well, it's just yeah. You know, another take on that though. He's just making a way for the next generation of of great coaches, and they'll be Hall of Famers in the future. Very true, yes. you got to work your way up to that. I think people like Chris Beard is working towards that. I think that people, I don't want to say people like Eric Musselman, but he has an opportunity to work towards that if he keeps going. Yeah, what could a guy like Kenny Payne, you know, he's starting his career. And then you got a guy like Kenny Payne who is having his first chance, but I don't think he's going to have all of the success in the world. He's a first-year coach. Uh, I think that Louisville will be loaded with talent when he gets to Louisville, but what can he do with the talent? Is it just going to be Cal 1.0? I think it'll be similar to what Penny's doing down in Memphis. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a fair able, comparison. I yeah. think he'll be able to get the recruits in, um, but they they will they won't do that great. I mean, what is this? This is Penny Hardaway's third season. Yeah, third or fourth season, and look how many recruits he's pulled in, and their best. What was this? Their best run in the tournament. I do think Louisville will be patient with him, though. I mean, because they're really not positioned to get a better hire. It's not like they can run him off after two years. Like they kind of got to give him some time. No, I agree with that. And you're gonna have to see what sanctions come down from the NCAA on them. You know, for 
they might lose they might lose scholarships you know who's going to want to go play for a louisville team that's banned from the tournament for two years and so they're going to have to they're going to have to sit sit tight with kenny payne and just work with what they've got for a couple of years because I don't see him being able to do anything for them for a couple of years. So many different uh, coaching changes have ha- has been happening so far this year. The coaching carousel 2022 is in full effect. You've got Kenny Payne at Louisville, and then you've got Archie Miller having a new job. Archie Miller is now coaching Rhode Island. You, we know that Archie was fired from Indiana, and now he has another shot do you think he'll have success at a place like Rhode Island? I think Archie will have uh, great success. You know, him and Sean are both great coaches, and then Sean as well. You know, back to Xavier. So I see, I see um, a lot of success in both of their futures. Being able to go back to a smaller, a smaller conference and be able to recruit a higher caliber player than the rest of the teams in the conference are going to be able to put forward to them. So I think those are both great hires with both the Millers. Then you have. At uh, Maryland, they Kevin Willard left his job at Seton Hall and went to Maryland. I think it's easier to win at Maryland than it is at Seton Hall. Zach, what do you think? Yeah, that one kind of a that's a meh. I went to you because I thought you loved Maryland. I thought that you was just a Maryland fan. Yeah, no, I mean, I've picked them a lot. Yeah. (laughs) I always think like Maryland's going to be sneaky good, and they never are. So, uh, they got rid of uh, Turgeon. Is he's out? Yes. Yeah. So he was kind of mediocre, but I don't. I don't see Kevin Willard doing a whole lot more. I mean, Seton Hall was kind of like, man. I don't know if you're wanting to take your program to the next level from good to great. I don't know why you go hire somebody that hasn't achieved greatness. You're just kind of setting yourself up to continue mediocrity, if you ask me. So and great di- job, Maryland. And didn't and didn't Seton Hall hire the Peacocks coach from from uh, Saint. Peters is that ended up what? Is that, surely not. They're still in the tournament. No, well, a, I mean, wow. Uh, well, it's not. Saying. It's not like an official thing. But isn't that who they're wanting to to hire? Is that the rumored guy? Oh, he had two. Uh, well, no, he's been a big coach before, has he not? This guy at St. Peters. Yeah. No. Or uh, he would just play college ball like I was, like yeah. seven years ago. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know why I was thinking that. My bad. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. You really can't make a hire officially while they're still in the tournament. Sean Miller makes a return to Xavier. He coached there before. Interesting. He turned down the South Carolina job. I think that was a mistake. I don't think you can really go back to places anywhere, really. And I, th- and I have that philosophy in life. You really can't go back to places once you was there. Why would you want to go to a place that you had success and go back and possibly jeopardize it, tarnish your legacy there? Uh, but for some reason, he must like Cincinnati and Xavier. He's He took the job. Uh, they fired Travis Steele, who had no success at Xavier. But now Sean Miller, he's kind of fallen back down to the ranks of uh, Xavier. I think the reason he went back to Xavier is because he has a lot of he has a lot more ground to stand on at Xavier than he would at South Carolina, and he's another one NCAA violations, you know, at Arizona. So they could come back and suspend Sean Miller, do this, do that, and Xavier's going to stand up with Sean Miller, and they're not going to they're not going to get rid of him. But at South Carolina, you might have a quick in and out situation if something doesn't immediately go right. I'm not sure if we talked about this last week on the show, but did we talk about Florida's hire, that Florida hired a new coach? No. I love it. No, it hasn't happened yet. Oh, no. So you you like the Todd Golden hire. One of the best uh, defensive teams in the NCAA. Um, 
look good in their conference. I I like I like I like all the SEC hires really. I mean, they took these um a lot of these smaller schools that have been, you know, just running their conferences and they've brought a lot of these up young up and coming coaches to the SEC this year and I'm I I'm I'm going to enjoy the SEC, man. We're they're they're adapting to the new breed of coaches. Well, I know that Zach has to be ecstatic over the Mississippi State hire. They hired Chris Jans, who Zach texted me and said that he was loving Chris Jans. He came from New Mexico, New Mexico, State. and you texted me and you said, "Check out New Mexico." I'm State. gonna, I'm gonna shock <laughs> you here because I know you were setting me up to really just praise that hire. Okay, I thought Chris Jans was the perfect like look for New Mexico State. Yeah. Like he kind of had the used car salesman vibe going on. He was all like <laughs> disheveled. I mean, he looks like he could be just like if you were gonna make a sitcom about a sh- uh, the coach from Las Cruces, New Mexico. <laughs> Uh, like Christians would be the guy, but I looked up his record. It's not that good. It's not really? that good. It was kind of a reach by Mississippi State. Like New Mexico State as a program was already okay. Christians just kind of inherited it and and kind of kept them where they were at. That's just how it is, though. The measuring stick in college basketball is how well you do in the tournament. I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll turn out to be a good hire. I'm not like for certain on that, but. Uh, after looking at it and doing a little research, I'm not as sold on it. But it'll be exciting to see him. I think it'll be entertaining. Do you think the more animated you are in the tournament, the more likely you are to get a job, even if you have a bad record? Just if somebody like the president, like if you just make an impact during the tournament? Oh, for sure. I mean, like you got to think about the financial aspects of, of what goes on behind the scenes. You know, do you want to hire, um, so, like two guys, same record? Do you hire the guy that's just kind of like business-like and 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 boring, uh, or do you hire the guy that can generate some some buzz, uh, some excitement around your program? And uh, Missouri, are they still looking for a coach after firing Conzo? I haven't heard anything. I've, I haven't. I've heard, heard anything on that. Hires. I know that Will Wade was fired from LSU, and they have recently hired a coach. The LSU Tigers did right. Murray, or, the Murray State's Mac Mac. Matt McMahon, is that how you say Mac- his name? McMahon. McMahon. McMahon, yes. I think that's honestly, I mean, look what he's done at Murray State yeah. with John Moran mm-hmm. and what Juice Williams and, you know, just tournament runs. That's yeah. a great hire. I didn't realize how long he had been at Murray. At first, I was like, why did they hire him? He's been at Murray like one or two years. And then I started looking. I was like, no, he's the same coach that took Murray State to the big dance before. So, hey, I think that he has an opportunity to show himself here. South Carolina, I think, would be a great uh, landing spot for a job. There you got a. South Carolina already hired a coach. Uh, or, uh, yes. Yeah. Or, uh, what was I? What was the LSU? LSU, yes. Not South Carolina. LSU. Is Will Wade going to land anywhere? What do y'all think about Will Wade's Man, situation? He's done. Is he uh, not, out? not for, not this year, maybe. You know, maybe it's one of those situations where he has to wait a few years. But I'm, <laughs> I'm not familiar with everything that happened there, but did he do anything beyond just paying guys and just blatantly cheating? I think it was just. Throwing it out in the face of everybody, like I'm going to pay people, but now it's legal. Like, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Like he didn't, you know. There's some ethical questions there because he knew what the rules were and he didn't follow them. But at the end of the day, yeah, like you said, I mean, guys are getting paid now anyway, so it's not like he he's not he's not Art Briles. I mean, I'm if you're a program like Missouri, uh, I hate to say it, but I would look at it. Oh yeah. Well, I'm sure that more coaches will get fired and get hired as the tournament progresses. But ladies and gentlemen, that about wraps it up for the first round and the second round show. And we will be back next Wednesday at 8 o'clock to discuss 
the Final Four because there will only be four teams remaining. And we'll talk about all the games that happened in the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. But guys, thank you so much for coming into the studio. We'll be doing this again next week. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Zach Kahn, Jordan Canasser, Chad Rainwater. I'm Adam Banks, and this is Off the Cuff with Adam Banks Presents the March Madness Series. We'll see you next Wednesday at 8 o'clock. Practicing, teacher said quit rapping, man. That gon' hurt my